4: All right, we're efforting at Reggie Wilson from KR11. We'll see if we get him or not. Regardless of whether we do or not, we will be talking Minnesota Viking football right now. That was ugly to watch yesterday. Maybe it's just a situation where Reggie, um, he's stuck in Vegas. It's the hangover all over again after watching that 3 nothing thrilling game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Las Vegas Raiders. That was, I got to be honest, man, they set football back. That was one of the ugliest Vikings games I have ever watched in my life.
0: (laughs) The the field goal was insurmountable for the Raiders to come over, to get over.
4: it It was a masterpiece defensively. Now, because you didn't give up anything, was some of that because of who you were facing as the opposing quarterback? Of course. Of course. Come on, Aiden O'Connell. Nobody's scared of Aiden O'Connell.
0: No, like who is he? Yeah, nobody's. He's there are so many quarterbacks in the NFL nowadays that aren't scaring anybody. And I mean, Brian Flores has done an amazing job with this defense. You know, the quality of the quarterbacks notwithstanding. But man, yeah, it was, it it was just that was bad offensive football yesterday. It is what it was. Let's just call it what it is. I mean it. It made the Chicago game look like a masterpiece.
4: Everything that people said about Brian Flores, he's lived up. He's lived up to the hype. He absolutely has. People talked about how how good he is of a head coach or was as the head coach in terms of how good as he was defensively. And I think that even Bill Belichick had said that he was one of the best defensive coordinators that he had had come through in New England. Bottom line, this guy's lived up to the hype, man. Brian Flores, that was a spectacular killer hire for the uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. And I know that in today's um, Minneapolis Star Tribune, it was posted this afternoon, um, Suhan put put in there, uh, it's, it says, Wolves need to do whatever it takes for Vikings to keep Flores. If yes. Flores gets the head coaching job, he's gone.
0: Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. And, you know, I-, I don't know.
4: I think at some point he might get another crack at it. I know that people are saying, well, he sued the NFL. I, I think at some point that's going to wear off.
0: Yeah, it-, it will. I mean, absolutely it will. Yeah, I, I don't know if th- – I don't feel like the job he's doing with the Vikings right now has warranted enough attention Agreed. for him to be on people's radar, which is really good Wait, for Vikings fans.
4: You don't think that it, has war- it hasn't It has warranted enough or hasn't gotten enough attention? Uh, I think it's warranted attention.
0: Yeah, I mean, he has, let, let, me say, let me say it hasn't gotten enough attention. It
4: hasn't gotten enough attention, I agree with you. But has it warranted attention? Absolutely. This, this um, team essentially, its defense is essentially the same defense that he had last year, Oh that 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 um not he because he wasn't here. Last Ed Donatel. Year. Ed Donatel had last year. The only specific difference is Pace, mm-hmm. who's a rookie, uh, Murphy, who they got in free agency, and I don't yep. think he's been that great.
0: No, I, I think you know Murphy replacing Peterson and Ivan Pace replacing Eric Kendricks. I, I mean, really, those are those are the two pieces. You've only had Marcus Davenport for. A handful of snaps, and that was a high risk, high reward signing. Anyway,
4: the way that he's using Josh Metellus, spectacular. Makai Blackman is looking really good. I don't know if you are going to be able to salvage anything about Louisine and um and um,
0: Andrew Booth Jr.
4: Yeah, oof, that's looking rough.
0: Right I, now. I, I, yeah, I think because yeah, but back to back secondary pieces that can't even find the field at this point. It's it, first
4: and second round pick.
0: First and second round pick. It's hard to say that you can look at those guys and be like, yeah, absolutely. Those are bust. I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I want to see if there's anything because I feel like if anybody can do anything with this defense and with those guys, it's, it's going to be Brian Flores. I feel like if there's anybody that can do it, it's going to be Brian Flores. But, I mean, right now the, the focus is, is on the offense and the quarterback and everything that's going on there. Hey man, a a win is a win, but I don't look at this team with any confidence going forward that you can look at any of the games that they've got coming up and be like, I feel absolutely confident that they're going to be able to compete and score points with the Bengals, with the the Lions, with the Packers. I'm just kind of in that mode where, where are you going to get points from?
4: Well, and that's the issue that I want to get to, because we talked about the defense, Defense has been outstanding. What do we make of the quarterback issue right now? Uh, Joshua Dobbs, they did the right thing. They they, they, they sat him in the fourth, mm-hmm. and they brought Nick Mullins in. Uh, Nick Mullins didn't look that great. Nick Mullins looked better than Dobbs, though. And Nick Mullins put the team in a position to get a field goal at the end of the game and win the game. So Nick Mullins did his job. No question.
0: He threw He's, for 64 yards, and that was enough to get you he did his job he he did he did
4: yeah and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna knock him for that because he did get 64 yards in the fourth quarter yeah but can we just be honest here for a second this team we don't have a starting quarterback we just we just have guys that are trying to patch it together yeah i'm trying to we're trying to duct tape it together it we our quarterback situation is not good at all And we can sit here and we can say that about a lot of teams with their backup situations, they're not good. But when you get a drive that gets points, man, we're ready to crown you. And we are crowning Nick Mullins today a little bit. Josh Dobbs, he ended up being who I thought he was. And I'm not saying that to, like, pound my chest, but remember that tweet I sent out? And I I was like, I don't get why we... I mean, I get, I get uh, uh, trading for him for depth, but mm-hmm. I don't look at him as a starting quarterback or a guy that's going to win you games. I said that, and then he immediately made me look foolish with those first two games. Now he's came way, way back to the pack. You, this is the reason why Joshua Dobbs has been on, what, eight teams in the last, what, three
0: years? Yeah, Something like the, the, the bloom has come off the rose, and I, I think, you know, part of this, with this offensive scheme, you go back, to you know Kevin O'Connell and you know the quarterback's coach in Washington and then you look at how that offense in Los Angeles was constructed with a lot of the play action with a lot of the rollout like it's it's made for a pocket guy and one thing I think we want in Minnesota is we want a mobile quarterback we want a, a Lamar Jackson we want a Jalen Hurts we you know we want a Josh Allen we want somebody that is going to be able to make plays on the run but I think we saw that Nick Mullins coming in, in terms of what this offense is and the timing and putting the ball at a particular place in the route, you have to be a little more succinct and maybe not quite as athletic. And I'd I, I like, like, everything in the tool shed for Joshua Dobbs makes it intriguing. Because it's a kind of quarterback we haven't seen in Minnesota for a while. But if you can't play responsibly, then none of those traits matter if you can't get the ball where you need to.
4: I'm going to tell you who Joshua Dobbs reminds me of okay. on the field. I'm not saying that they it's, it's, it's an exact comparison, but there's similarities. He reminds me of Tavares Jackson.
0: Yeah, I could sit. I I I really can't. You know, just with I mean the 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 traits you're like guy checks all of the boxes. Like it, it, the underwear olympics at the NFL combine, I, I feel like he <laughs> he he checked the boxes. He's like big, strong, physical, fast, smart, athletic. Strong arm. Strong arm. But you can throw the ball, you can throw the ball through a brick wall, it doesn't matter if you can't put the touch on the passes. And I mean the the one pass that was tipped by the linebacker into T.J. Hawkinson's hands. I, I mean that was a really that was a very advantageous throw. So I feel like right now, I mean, he, I know that Kevin O'Connell said he's got to find out who's going to be available. I mean, are you going to have Brian O'Neill? Are you going to have Justin Jefferson? Like, if I'm the Vikings, I'm I make the switch to Nick Mullins, and I don't look back. Like. And yeah, no,
4: I think Nick Mullins should get an opportunity to 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 be the starter right now. I think I, I mean, think he should. J- Josh Dobbs, that was a bad throw he threw to JJ, and JJ got nicked.
0: Yeah, th- yeah. Those those are what they call the hospital balls, and and I know Tom Brady was well.
4: Same thing happened to KJ.
0: Yeah, I, I mean it's and I think Alexander Madison too. Like I mean, Madison was hurt on on a, a pass that he was led a little bit too far. Hmm. So you're seeing some of these injuries. Yeah, it's it's a tough situation to be in.
4: I think Nick Mullins deserves a shot. Absolutely. We, we, yeah, absolutely. We, we've given Joshua Dobbs plenty of chances to show that he can, you know, learn from his mistakes, mm-hmm. hasn't necessarily been able to jump start the jump start the offense here the last 2 or 3 weeks, and I think it's time for Nick Mullins.
0: Do you, but, do, you do you think that Joshua Dobbs helped save the season to a certain extent? With those games. Yeah, he kept
4: it going. He kept I, it going. Against he did his Atlanta part. and
0: New Orleans. Okay. He did okay. his part. He okay. did his part.
4: But, right. but, but now it's time to move on and give somebody else a chance. Six five one four six one nine two two six. 461 What else did I specifically like about yesterday's Vikings game? I'll tell you that next year on The Lake Show.
2: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island.
4: All right, welcome back to the Lake Show, News Talk 830-WCCO. The other thing, and we're going to talk to Reggie Wilson from Kiera 11 right now. Uh, the other thing that I was super excited about yesterday and I'm happy to see was the way that Alexander Madison was running a damn football. Man, he was getting some yardage. Man, he looked good out there. And I'll contend, I've been saying this all season long, I, I don't think that he's a bad running back. Now, he's not going to be Dowling Cook in his prime, but I I definitely look at him and I feel like I I feel like he's somebody that can that's a solid, that he's solid at the position. Um we found him. We got him. We didn't catch him at the top of the hour, but he's joining us now on the John Schuster Cole Banker Hotline. Uh the the star from Hangover Four. His name is Reggie Wilson, sports anchor from Gear 11 He's joining us here on the Lake Show. Are you? Are you? Are you in the next Hangover movie, Reggie? Where you been?
5: <laughs> no, no. Look, man, it was it was a long flight day, uh, but I'm glad to be back from Vegas, and I have no recollection of anything that happened over the last 48 hours. Oh my, my choice, God. though. <laughs> All
4: right. So, 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 I gotta ask you this, man. In all your years of covering the National Football League, where Mm -hmm. did yesterday's game rank in terms of boredom? Because, man, I was sitting on the couch watching that game yesterday, and that was one of the worst Vikings games I've ever watched in my life. I I was bored out of my mind.
5: It was the worst. I don't think I've seen a game that bad in the time that I've been covering NFL football. Like I thought the, the Bears game, I was like, man, it can't get any worse than this. And then they came out yesterday, and that happened. And I'm kind of just saying, like, you know, everybody who made it through, you know, those of us who just happened to watch from start to finish, you know what? We're some survivors, man. We we did it. We We made it. And uh, we live to tell the story about it. But I don't really think anybody wants to talk about that game anymore.
4: (laughs) Well, (laughs) hey, hey, answer me this. What was the the atmosphere like in the stadium and in Las Vegas over the weekend? Because uh, I had a few buddies that attended the game, and they said there was plenty of purple there.
5: Oh, man. Like, it almost felt like a home game. It was kind of crazy just seeing all the purple there and, you know – you know, you get out, you walk the strip a little bit, and then you you look, and I, I would say like one in four people that passed you had on some type of purple or some type of Vikings-related something or another, or they had like a gopher shirt on or something, and it's like, oh, I know where you where you're from. And so that was really interesting. What was interesting about the stadium, you know, you've been in U.S. Bank Stadium, and you know how – the The acoustics in there is just kind of crazy. It gets really loud. Mm-hmm. Um, my guy Alec Lewis had tweeted about this, and it was exactly what I was thinking. Like, when they decide to make noise in there, it just kind of feels like white noise. It, it doesn't really, like, move the the needle much. And so, like, the excitement just didn't – like, I didn't feel the energy. I didn't feel the juice in the stadium. Like, I almost felt like they should – pump in some crowd noise or something like that cuz they try to manufacture a vibe in there. It didn't seem authentic. It just, no, it just wasn't it just wasn't there and then when the Vikings just, you know, seldomly made a big play, that's when you heard like the roar of the crowd, but other than that it was really calm in there.
4: What was the vibe like in the press box when the Vikings time after time after time had possessions where they could either not move the ball or resulted in no points all the way up until they got to that point in the fourth quarter with uh, Mullins getting the uh, the final three there to uh, to put them ahead?
5: I think um, people were, like, exasperated. Like, it, it was – there were times where, you know, we were looking on. And, you I don't know if you've been to the big room, but that's what I call it, Allegiant Stadium, the big room. I have not. But, like, we are up – And, like, you know where the nosebleeds are? Like, we are up in the nosebleeds. That's where the press box is. And so trying to, like, see the game and, you know, all the beat writers with their binoculars and all that, like, you needed that because it was just, it was, it felt like you were so far away from the game. And then when the action just wasn't happening, you know, it it was like, Come on. Like, I think we were getting restless up there. I I could hear, like, beat writers and and different media members like, do something. You know, Dobbs was taking his time, you know, going through his progressions with a wide-open – space in front of them they're like run the ball just run it take off and run <laughs> and so it was just, it was it was a crazy experience man it, you know they say we witnessed history but i don't think that was any type of history that anybody wanted to be a part of
4: i'm totally with you we're talking to reggie wilson care 11 sports director here on the lake show on news talk 830 w cco A vikings do defeat the las vegas raiders three nothing yesterday and joshua dobbs did get the start We got a chance to see him in there. We got a chance to see him throw a bad or poor ball to Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson got injured on the play, was out for the rest of the game. Offense was slack and not really able to do anything and be productive and get points. Nick Mullins replaces Joshua Dobbs. What was your thought on two things? Number one, uh, J.J. getting injured in yesterday's game and just kind of how everybody reacted to that. And then secondly, uh, Dobbs being replaced by Mullins and then getting the win,
5: dude. That Jefferson injury was brutal. I don't know if you follow the Vikes on Instagram, but like their Instagram was flooded with JJ content yesterday pregame. Like everything from him walking into the stadium to him warming up, just different ISO shots of him just going through his normal game day routines. Like that was a Certain energy in the stadium that you could feel from the Vikings' perspective because they were excited to get their guy back after seven games. They went five and two without him. It's hard to believe that that's how they they were able to fare without him. And that last two games, it was like, yeah, they they need Justin Jefferson back. And it took a while for him to get going. Like the the first few drives, you know, Dobbs tried to tried to target him right away to start the game and almost got picked off for like a pick six type of a situation. And then we didn't see him really get much going for a few drives. And then he starts to cook. And what was crazy about the injury to Justin Jefferson was, oh, my God. Like, he ran just a beautiful route. Like, the route was just filthy and got the separation and I, I remember sending the text message of the injury to my brother because my brother works for the Colts, and so he didn't get a chance to see it. And I, I texted him. I was like, hey, Jefferson just went out. He was like, what? He just came back. And I sent him the, the video replay, and all he texted me back was Dobbs threw him a hospital ball because mm. my brother used to play quarterback in uh, in high school and college. And so it was funny because, not too long after that, the Vikings communication team, they come up and they're like, hey, just to let you know, Justin Jefferson was taken to the hospital tonight out of precaution. And I was just like, wow, he literally caught in a hospital ball yep. and Justin Jefferson ends up in the hospital. So that was brutal. It's good to know that they say that he's going to be okay and there is a uh, Possible promise of him even playing this weekend that would be that would be good because that hit just didn't look good He immediately grabbed his back. It was like all of the press box just like winced when it happened Everybody was just like ooh And you know he tried to hop up. I think he was telling himself like I'm good. I'm good. I'm good And then he ran off to the sideline. He was like no, nah, man I'm not good So the offense just seemed to be stuck in the mud after that happened just couldn't do much and so Dobbs literally I don't know if you remember the play, but he had a guy open in the flat, and he completely just threw it over his head, almost like hitting the uh, like where the fans sit. He he overthrew the guy so far on the sideline. And so that just seemed like that was it. And Mullins came right in, got the tip pass to Hawkinson. I think it was like a 26-yard gain. That kind of gave the, the offense some life, some juice. And, you know, we saw what, what happened. He was able to lead them on a, on a drive to, to get that field goal, and the defense balled out. And so I think there was just a lot of gratitude after that game from the Vikings um, for being able to pull something like that out because they just did not play well on offense, and they were able to escape that with, with the 3-0 victory. Yeah,
4: I'm with you, man. Hey, Reggie, always a pleasure to have you on the show, my man. I'm glad you uh, you went out to Vegas. The squad got a W, and you made it back safely.
5: Most importantly, I made it back. Vegas did not get me, brother. <laughs> <laughs>
4: All right, that's Reggie Wilson joining us here talking Minnesota Vikings football, sports director at Care 11 here on the Lakeshore on News Talk, 830 WCCO. Uh, coming up next, though, we'll step away from the, uh, the world of sports. I'm glad to hear about the hand in hand work between social workers and police in Washington County. We get to that next year on The Lake Show. All right, welcome back to The Lake Show, News Talk 830. WCCO, happy to have you along for the ride. This makes my heart feel really good and warm. When I look at the Minneapolis Star Tribune, and they talk about advancements, for police in Washington County. This is awesome. I love this. And the headline, it says, in Washington County, boots on the ground, social work is transforming police response to people in crisis. And I think they have a really cool picture of this uh, Woodbury police detective. Uh, Adam Sack is his name. Uh, they have him picture with his uh, his canine partner, Otis, the therapy dog in November of uh, of this year, is one of the Washington County law enforcement officers who has responded to calls alongside a social worker. And so essentially, let me just go ahead and give you the quick synopsis. They say that this combination of, and this, this co-response model, as they would like to call it, of social workers that are embedded with law enforcement which has been a strategy that they've used in Washington County and across Minnesota uh, as reform-minded police departments answer calls for change and explore new methods of handling mental health emergencies, that this is actually helping out a ton. It's really working so much for police departments. And I love that. And, And this is the reason why I love it. Number one, I love it because if it's helping out police officers and law enforcement, it helps us as a community because we are going to be better as a community and be safer as a community if our law enforcement and the the people working with law enforcement are better. Number two. The other reason why I love this so much is because there were people that were running their mouths and were so against people that um, are skilled in the areas of social work and mental health assisting law enforcement. When this topic was brought up, in Minneapolis, and, and and I will admit, okay, I'm not going to try to pull one over. There were people out there that said, yes, we need to see more social workers, and more mental health health uh, therapists, so like that, be a part of assisting law enforcement. But then there were some people, some, some, that were saying um, defund the police, which from day one, I said from the jump, no, 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 we're not doing that. Defund the police. There was a small minority of people that were on that train. The majority of people were not for one second on defund the police. There were some vocal, loud minority people that said, yes, defund the police. But my point is this. There were people that proposed this. And people wanted to shoot it down. I'm glad that it's working because. I think that that there should not be a person out there that shouldn't treat mental health very seriously. People should not look at every single person that has a breakdown or is in crisis as a death wish. You shouldn't view it that way. Hopefully you don't view it that way. This combination of good law enforcement officials, and these social workers seems to be a good match. It seems to be a good pairing, and I'm glad to see that it's being effective. Now, if it wasn't effective, I say, you know what? Don't do it anymore. Let, let's just—we got a sample size. I'm glad that it's working. Maybe this needs to expand into all various different counties across Minnesota, if possible, where possible.
0: Yeah, it's it's a good start for something that I feel it. It goes back to the whole defund the police and the misnomer around that, because you're right. We heard a lot of the defund the police when we were talking, you know, about it was really more about reforming is what I felt like we were talking about. But there were some that immediately it went to that. And then it's like, well, blow everything up and you're just going to replace law enforcement with social workers with other individuals that don't have that law enforcement background but when you can use them hand in hand and i have to imagine henry that, that if somebody's having you know an emotional crisis that you get a law enforcement officer there but you also have a social worker somebody there that can you know take a little bit more of the edge off instead of having this armed police officer, that could be a little intimidating and overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that fragile state, I would have to imagine that it would be a lot less threatening and a lot less intimidating. And you could be more productive if that makes sense.
4: I think that the fact that law enforcement is open about getting assistance from other entities to help with issues that we are all concerned with, that's what makes my day. That makes me happy. That's what excites me about this. You could this. put your
0: ego aside to say yes. it's not yes. it's not just us, not just one size fits all.
4: Yes, and in the yeah. article, they say specifically, specifically, just kind of touching on what you just brought up, Okay, the extra help has been welcomed by police chiefs and county sheriffs in part because data shows that a small number of people struggling with mental health can account Mm -hmm. for an outsized demand on officers' time. A social worker can divert someone to therapy or to other services that may be more appropriate than sending them to jail and tying up the criminal justice system with people not facing charges. Smart as hell.
0: Yeah, plus if we just look at the overall problem with – police departments being able to recruit like you don't want to have those resources, those officers go to some of these calls that maybe would be better suited for, you know, a a more of a, a, a social caseworker, you know, something that doesn't involve the force of hand. So in that respect, I feel like maybe it would be a better allocation of resources if you could have them using hand in hand, because you can, you're not, you're not replacing officers. I feel like you're supplementing what they do and complimenting them. And I, I feel if you change the dynamic of the conversation to that, then everything about the topic changes. I maybe, maybe that's just me.
4: Yeah. Six, five, one, four, six, one, nine, two, two, six. I'll say this again to the Washington County, uh, law enforcement uh, officials, the, the fine law enforcement officers in Woodbury. This is awesome. This is awesome.
0: And if it works for them, I, I hopefully to,
4: it can work for in other I, I was places. I going to say it, it's not a one size fit all. We we know it won't work in every yeah, single county, yeah. in the and the and the the demographics and 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 the numbers. In terms of how many people are being patrolled, how many people live, and population, all that is all different, right? Yeah. And how many people they service. But this is a great start.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like if it's working in Woodbury, then word would get around to other police departments, particularly in the suburbs, that maybe this is something that if they see the success and you hear positive things about it, I feel it's all about trying to figure out the balance. And how can you incorporate non-police officers, non-law enforcement into the problem-solving equation? And if you can find that balance, then maybe this is something that has some legs. Maybe this is something that could work down the road in more than just one suburb.
4: Yep. All right. 651-461-9226. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We got headlines. That's next year on The Lake Show. All right, welcome back to The Lake Show. It's time for headlines to wrap up the second hour of the show. And then uh, to kick off the next hour, we're going to talk to NFL and NCAA football rules analyst Dean Blandino. He joins us here on The Lake Show tonight.
0: Uh, If only Patrick Mahomes would be listening. Anyway, that's – yeah.
4: We'll send him to the podcast.
0: Yeah, well – yeah, we'll send uh, we'll send Patrick Mahomes the podcast link. That's a it's a perfect way to do it. Hey, Eden Prairie's deer management program is underway. Program which began in the late nineteen nineties looks to maintain the city's white-tailed deer population at twenty to twenty-five deer per square mile of suitable habitat. Matt Bourne is the city's park and recreation services manager. Says it's common for residents to see fifteen to twenty deer in neighborhoods, which can be destructive to private property. Quote, and then also with the chronic wasting disease, kind of getting closer to the metro area, that's another reason why we go out and not try and eliminate the deer, but try and keep it at a healthy population. Now, I feel like that's important because USDA, uh, USDA wildlife professionals usually work from dusk into the evening when deer are most active. Quote, it's uh, usually less frequent when residents are out using our trail systems, our conservation areas. We've been with them for about seven years now. We've used them. We have controlled sites where they take deer over baited sites, and then any deer that's removed is given to families in need, so food shelves or needy families.
4: You know, this is so, it's not even necessarily about deer, because I, I like this, I like this deer management program that's underway, but just about, you know, we, we talk about about neighborhoods, inner cities, and stuff like that. It's so weird to me whenever I'm driving around Minneapolis and I'll see a a bunny just, like, hopping across somebody's grass. It's just the weirdest thing to me. You know, because you have all these different cities and you have these people, all. you know, I'm from this hood. I'm from that. Dude, we got literally, we got bunnies running around.
0: Yeah. Like, how cool is that? Yeah, you you got bunnies. You got, like, all sorts of – see, and we're lucky where we live that, uh, you know, we've got kind of our our side patio looks out to, like, this little pond area. Mm-hmm. So we get, like, ducks, and we get rabbits, and we have birds. You get a little and, bit of everything. Yeah, we get a little bit of everything, and it's, it's great for my wife and the cats. Not necessarily in that order because she loves feeding the birds. Hey, after facing mounting – meeting my wife, the cats would probably – Feed the birds, too, if they could. After facing mounting pressure for months, University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill announced that she was stepping down on Saturday, but her resignation alone won't combat the rising incidence of anti-Semitism, some of the nation's most prestigious universities. Now, fears over anti-Semitism have reached new heights over the past few months following the October 7 terror attacks by Hamas and Israel, and Israel's subsequent attack in, on uh, Gaza With rising tension on campus over the war, universities have scrambled to address issues related to freedom of speech, hate speech, and political debate, while alumni, donors, and business leaders have condemned university leaders over their perceived inaction in combating anti-Semitism on their campuses.
4: Do you think that her falling short last week should have cost
0: her a job? Yes. Yes. Don't you want the students on your campuses to feel safe? Absolutely. If you're you're not condemning that as a student, I'm like, well, you don't have my back. So, I I mean, when people escape for their life.
4: I I don't think that she didn't have their back. She did not live up to the moment. There's no question. She did not live up to the moment. I do wonder if they could have gotten, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do in her having forcing her to resign. It just I'm surprised that that was the end result. The by the way, rest in peace to Frank Wycheck,
0: man. Oh, dude, fifty two.
4: Dude, when I heard that, I was like, woof.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's that would that was shocking. Like fifty two years old and a just a big time part of that Tennessee Titans Music City Miracle. I mean, Frank Wycheck to what Kevin Dyson. I think that's, uh, I think that's who it was, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if, uh, if anything about Mariah Carey's all I want for Christmas is you annoys you best to avoid shopping malls now, or the radio, maybe music altogether because her 1994 Carol classic, it's like nothing else. The Christmas Colossus has reached number one on billboards, hot 100 charts the past four years in a row. Measuring the most popular songs each week by airplay, sales, and streaming. Not just holiday-themed. And it's reasonable to assume 2023 will be no different. One expert predicts it'll soon exceed $100 million in earnings. And even its ringtone has sold millions.
4: Well, you know who loves this Mariah Carey news?
0: Chris Hein. Chris Hein, baby. Chris Heine.
4: Minneapolis Star Tribune. He loves him some
0: Mariah Carey. I know. Look, I like... I was a big Mariah Carey fan in college. I mean, obviously, I think that any, you know, red-blooded male would, you know, fantasy. No, that's not true. What? Some, not- some of us were
4: listening to Tupac and Biggie, and you were listening to Mariah Carey. We ain't the same. I don't know, man. I- we ain't the same. You, you, wouldn't listen- want
0: to, you wouldn't want to ride a roller coaster with. See that you, ain't what I said. See you That, were, ain't, that, see, that, that you, ain't what you said. That see, ain't what you said. See you. you were,
4: said that when you were in college, you were listening to Mariah Carey, and yeah. I said I was listening to Tupac and Biggie.
0: See, I'm I'm listening, but I'm watching. See, but yeah, I'm I'm listening, but I'm watching the videos, thinking I want to be next to Mariah Carey on that roller coaster in fantasy.
4: No, don't try to get out what
0: you. No, said. No, no, no. I, I, you know, hey, I, I was watching and listening to Mariah Carey.
4: Don't be mad because you were rocking Heartbreaker. And I was rocking all, all eyes on me.
0: Yeah, I bet you probably never seen Geely, too, have you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ah! I said it. Don't yeah. be mad.
4: Yeah. Don't be mad. I might have hung out with Heather Hunter one night. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> we ain't the same. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't the same. We are not the same. Let's talk to... Special guest coming up here at the top of the hour, Dean Blandino, NFL and NCAA football rules, analyst for Fox Sports. So much to talk about with him next.